Welcome to the Born to Be a Badass podcast, the show about the intersection of women's empowerment, embodiment, and self-defense, and what women need to know and do to enhance their physical, mental, and emotional safety. Here's your host, fourth-degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Jalakor-Rood. Welcome to the Born to Be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Jolikar-Rude, and today we have a special show for Fierce and Female Friday with Melissa Salt. You may remember Melissa was on the show in episode one and talked about her life story and a whole bunch of tips and insights into the world of self-defense. And this episode today is focused on the topic of boundaries. So let's start with a definition of what a boundary is. According to Wordnik online, a boundary is something that indicates a border or a limit. The Cambridge Dictionary says a boundary is the limit of what someone considers to be acceptable behavior. Merriam-Webster says it's a real or imaginary point beyond which a person or thing cannot go. Psychology Today says that establishing boundaries is one of the best ways to preserve your emotional energy and define who and what you allow in your life. And then it goes on to define seven types of boundaries, physical, mental, emotional, sexual, moral, spiritual, and financial. Psych Central adds a couple more, verbal, material or belongings, time, and workplace. So you can see the list of boundaries can be quite long. In her article, Setting Boundaries is a Girl's Best Friend, Melissa writes that setting and defending our boundaries is our first line of defense. For women, it can be highly effective, nipping a situation in the bud. Boundaries help keep us safe. They are the lines and borders we draw around our comfort zones, personal space, and private lives. Boundaries communicate how much contact we're okay with or want and don't want, not just with strangers, but friends, coworkers, and loved ones. In the absence of firmly communicated boundaries, we are more vulnerable to predators or those who will take advantage. So today we are going to dig into some of the standard questions of what are boundaries and how do you set them and how do you enforce them and a whole lot more. Here we go, Melissa. Well, I have to say that is the best lead-in I have heard about boundaries ever. The definitions and what you cite from myself, it's like, okay, the show's over now. That's really all I have to say. <laughs> well, it's the context, it's the umbrella, it's the big picture, and we can certainly break that down more. But, you know, the question, why the setting and articulating of our boundaries is so vital in self-defense. I just, I could go on and on about this. I will say that in all my experience in decades, and I know I speak for colleagues, that of all the techniques we teach, you know, physical moves, ground fighting, all the stuff we do, the most important technique and takeaway, in my opinion, is the setting and defending of boundaries because it will prevent attacks. And in actual studies that have been done, for example, I stay abreast of all of these studies. A lot of them have done in academic settings with college students, but not all of them. 
it turns out that spending time on two things, understanding consent, this is regarding sexual assault, and the ability to assert and express values are the two most important tools that women learn that actually are effective in preventing assaults. And it's for all of the reasons that you said. You know, boundaries are guardrails. We all have them. They are our first line of defense. It determines what we're comfortable with, what kind of contact we want with people, what kind of contact we don't want with people, the quality of that contact, is it hugging, is it waving high, is it intimate kissing, and the, the quantity and how much of that. So what happens is in the absence, let me put it this way, in the absence of boundaries, and none of this is our fault. If we lack or forget or don't know how to set or defend boundaries and somebody takes advantage of us, that's never our fault. However, that being said, it is our right and our responsibility to know where we draw lines, our red lines, and the ability to set them is what makes us far less vulnerable to intrusion or manipulation or assault or attack, or even worse, being owned. And I'm going to tell you a story about that in a minute. You know, we lock our doors at setting of boundaries. Our bodies are like hunters in one sense. And they have borders. We have skins. We have physical skin, and we have kind of an invisible skin around us. And within that, it determines who we are, what's in our hearts, our physicalities, what's in our minds. It determines what makes us self-possessed, right? So when there's a lack of firm boundaries, it is a bloody jackpot for predators or criminals, abusers. It's a dream gift because then they think wrongly they can just take what they can, right? So it's imperative that we be able to, as females, set firm boundaries, not weak ones, because that's what its predators and criminals will look for, is a female with weak boundaries, because it lets them in, so to speak, right? So we must do that. We can save us a lifetime of suffering. Boundaries are basically, I'm going to talk a little bit and before I get into the tools of it, it means... I set my boundaries. It means if you come within my space, it should be by invitation only. Okay? So it's what allows us to maintain our safety, our heart, our minds, you know, our sense of self, and all those good things. So setting boundaries, a lot of people in self-defense kind of think, oh, it's a minor little thing. I'm going to teach all these wisdom techniques, and then I'm going to do a few words about boundaries, and I'll have some guy dressed in the bed guy, he'll come in and he'll bark some shit at people, sorry, <laughs> and they'll have to say stop. But that is by no means the full example of what is entailed in setting boundaries. It can be very subtle. It's much harder for us to set and defend boundaries with people that we know and love and with strangers. Mm -hmm. So, again, it really should be by invitation only. And I would like to go to a short story, and then I want to get into more of the concrete stuff about what exactly are boundaries and how do we do it and what are the tools and, you know, all that good stuff. But I'll just tell you, for example, I just spoke about what happens in the absence of boundaries. Uh, criminals, bad guys, manipulators, would-be abusers, and so forth, 
they see that as a power vacuum and they'll move in. This is a story. It's not a great story, but I think it will resonate with a lot of females. Now, I think I've mentioned I'm 65. When I was 14, I had a boyfriend, and I didn't know how to set boundaries. And I can remember the exact day I sat on his lap. It was in a car. His grandmother was driving us to some kind of pool, maybe a couple of months after dating. And he said to me as I sat on his lap, you belong to me. And at the time, I mean, this was back in the day where we didn't have these tools, we didn't have these awareness. And even though part of me was reluctant because I thought, hey, I belong to the world. I have these dreams, right? And I said, okay, huge mistake. Not my fault. But what happened was he got to think that he owned me because I put up no resistance. I didn't say no. I didn't say, hey, wait a minute. I didn't do any of those assertions. And over time, it became a very pathological relationship where, in fact, he abused and controlled me, and it ended up with me being pregnant at 14. Now, that's an extreme example. And I have to say, that's not a rare example, though, because it's not. working with teen girls today, one of the really big issues is how do you recognize warning signs that a relationship is not going to be a right. good one? And right. that kind of thing of... I own you, you know, mm-hmm. it's very easy even for today's teen girls to kind of feel flattered mm-hmm. and to think, oh, well, exactly. this means he really loves me. Exactly. And that's such a great point. And so exactly, sort of as a side note, I was a very chunky, chubby kid. And, and in my day growing up, it was like, hey, you're, you know, a little chubby girl and you've still got a cute boyfriend. That's a keeper. So... It degraded fast. I honestly, I'm a feisty girl and I was always feisty. So I never internalized all of the blame and the shame he would consequently lay on me. And I had to wear certain jewelry and I couldn't go in certain places. It was a very pathological thing. I never accepted it all, but I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't have the tools. I didn't know how to assert myself and say no. This is not okay. I want these sexual you know, interactions with you, blah, blah, blah. And you're right. We still see that today, even with all the awareness and so on. So it's this. I'm only sharing this story because it's an extreme example. And it could be a 50, a 45-year-old woman with a potentially abusive partner. It could be the same story, basically. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to emphasize, it's not our fault. But it's our responsibility. And I'm going to get into this to, first of all, identify and know what are the signs for us, because it varies, for when we're uncomfortable, for when something feels like a no, when it doesn't feel okay, then the ability to express that, to verbalize that, and to say that in no uncertain terms, and to back it up, because it will be tested. So in the absence of boundaries, that's why I'm saying it's the most important tool. It's an invitation, inadvertently, albeit, to those who would abuse, control, etc., to step in. And that's what's always being tested. So let me talk a little bit about what we mean by boundaries. Now, you offered some fantastic definitions from various sources. And just to reiterate, you know, boundaries are the lines and the limits that we draw. Like if we were a country, you know, you'd have borders. If those borders are crossed, then there's a breach of boundaries. Anytime a crime or a violent sexual act or sexual assault occurs, it means that a boundary has been crossed. So our best hope and our best effort should be 
in being able to set those limits and then we know when they are being crossed and we may have to you know go up to the next level of physical defense or whatever so it boundaries determine what we're comfortable with and you know what we're not comfortable with and who and the quality and the who we're comfortable with with our kids you know we're comfy hey you know they run to me we hug them and all that right it determines ownership and authority but we have different levels of boundaries for different people it is not one size it's all right mm-hmm. certain people we let close into our lives we're comfortable with that and certain people we want to keep out so when we lock the doors we're setting a boundary when we close office door before covid <laughs> only people had offices it's saying my door is closed please do not come in without knocking so if somebody comes in without knocking that's not life or death it's still an opportunity to stand up and say oh my gosh you know hey partner hey coworker i love you i care about you but it's not okay for you to come in when my door is closed i need you to lock to uh, knock rather so it exists on a whole continuum in life how we set boundaries and there are various pieces that we're going to do that with voice our body language our demeanor attitude so on and so forth so let me before i even get into that tell you a quick quicker story and this is goes back to the early days of the me too movement and you know harvey wanstein and his ill and predator behavior mm-hmm. there was a this an actress she's a beautiful amazing african actress i'm not going i'm going to wreck her last name i'm sure it's lupita nyong now this is another i'm what i'm going to tell you is another example of setting a boundary and why so she was out with him obviously he's a powerful figure in the field in the industry and they went out but of course he's a predator and he had a particular drink that he liked it was some kind of vodka with diet soda i don't know what it was or something like that now the wait person came and he ordered for her this is something called forced teaming and i'm going to get into this another time and it's going to get into becker's tips mm-hmm. so he is kind of like creating a false sense of bonding so he ordered the same drink for her now lupita actually stood up for him she was one of the only actresses who felt able to do that and she said no actually i don't like that drink i like another drink and that may seem like a small thing and there was a second thing because he as a would be or a predator is looking at can he control her can he in this case order for her with this kind of forced teaming and in effect enter her mind mm-hmm. you know it's a kind of control so she said no and she got her drink so the long story short is she was not assailed by him she was one of the few who was able to stand up but that was another clue so that's, that's really another- interesting can i just jump in real quick cuz please that, you know it sounds as though that little test was mm-hmm. how much can i get away You know, it was like Absolutely. dipping the toe in the pool to see like what's the water really going to be like and you know from her perspective she passed the test right from his perspective she failed the test and that angered him yeah 
but she was willing to do it because she was also willing to take the loss. She had decided, I mentioned this loss thing because it comes into play. When women, and I'm only really talking about women here, although this happens to men too, say, hey, that's not okay with me. I'm asserting my limits. This is as far as I want to go, or you're too close, get back. And in many ways that we assert boundaries, which I will get into, you know, you were saying it exactly right. It's a test. He's seeing, just like a, a criminal might be, how much can I get away with? So setting boundaries, like I say, has as much to do with setting limits around our mind, our authority, our sense of self, and it's what keeps us intact as, you know, having the ownership of our own lives and determining, you know, what's not okay around that. So that's another example. You don't really normally think about that, but it is. And I thought it was a brilliant example of, in her case, you know, being able to set limits and saying no, even though she used those particular words. But but, that is really cool, though. And I guess my mm-hmm. question is, like, what if you set a boundary like that and it doesn't mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. work the, brand, work. the bad guy or stop mm-hmm. the behavior that's going on? Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. what? And is that because sure. you didn't set the right thing or does that tell you something about the other person? Well, that's a really great question. My quick answer is it tells you something about the other person. That's information. It's saying, I do want to get into the nuts and bolts of this, and I will answer your question about, well, what if it doesn't work? Because nothing works all the time. Like I said, setting boundaries and limits are one of our first lines of defense. And it's also used as information to know that somebody has more harmful intent. So that's information about him. In this case, if he didn't say, if he said, hey, no, 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 we're having to get my way. I mean, this is a, di- honestly, I would say that's a very dangerous sign because this is somebody who wants to manipulate and control you. So it's never that we do things wrong. I don't, I hesitate to say that. However, like I said, I want to repeat that it is our job because we own ourselves. We're the only ones with ourselves to protect ourselves all the time. So we need to be able to set these limits, just like a country has sovereign boundaries, so do we. So if I may hold that question for a minute and get a little bit more into the nuts and bolts of how do we set these limits? What are the tools? How do we do it? And what happens? Because it will, okay? And boundaries are often tested multiple times. It's not one time. So we have to be prepared to kind of stick to our guns and repeat what we say because a predator will try and wear down a woman's boundaries. They will hunt for openings and weaknesses and so forth. So let me clarify this more with a more concrete example, if I may. When I'm teaching, for example, when I'm presenting boundaries, which is a chunk of material, at defining it and getting other people's input on what it means and hearing my stories. Then I'm going to do a display. I'm going to show and tell what we mean by boundaries. So, for example, I might portray I'm walking down the street. I'm going to give you a really simple example. Not that it's the answer to everything, but it's a really simple example with basic principles. So I'm walking down the street, and this is a little bit imaginary my pre-COVID days. So a jewelry person, right, mm-hmm. comes up on the street and says, oh, man, you know, I have this great jewelry I want to sell to you. And they're starting to edge closer. Now, in physical self-defense, setting boundaries has a lot to do with control distance. 
And let's just say, I just say, hey, dude, sorry, I'm not interested. And I walk on my way and he leaves. That's great. I set a simple boundary and he respected it and left. Now let's replay that. I'll often replay things two and three times, each time escalating. So now I'm walking down the same street. A person approaches me again. And, hey, I'm selling you this jewelry or this food or whatever. And I say, no, sorry, I'm not interested, right? And I sort of walk on my way. This time, he doesn't let me walk on my way. He stands in front of me. He blocks my path. And he ups, he escalates. His voice is louder. No, man, you gotta really try to, you gotta, you know, whatever it is, right? Again, this is just a simple example. Now, because we get a volume and an intensity dial, if you will, when we're setting and defending boundaries. Now, as I show this example, I'm going to stand firmer in my base. And again, I'm going to four or five specific tools in the set. I stand firmer in my base. I look him square in the eyes. Maybe my eye up my volume a little bit. I'm not saying, get out of my face, you ugly bird. You don't want to attack a person because that can escalate it. But I'm being very firm about what's not okay. So I'm saying, I'm really not interested. I said, no, that's enough. Now leave me alone, walk on your way, and I'm leaving. It might be that simple, right? And maybe that works, okay? We hope that works, right? So you get, as I said, there's intensity and a volume dial setting in our boundaries. I replay it again. I'm walking down the same street. The person approaches. This time he gets very aggressive. And he starts to intrude upon my personal space. Now, in the era of COVID, it so happens that roughly two arms length is the same kind of space, one and a half two arms length, that we use in protecting our physical space because it involves a reactionary gap. Give me a second on that thought. So this time, he comes in, he's more aggressive, and I have to go firmer. I dig deeper. Oh, it's your into it. I was <laughs> use your lower your center of gravity. I'm serious. I said no. Back away. I'm done. Please walk away. I'm done here. Not like you that much. I'm yelling a bit into the call and I apologize. And if that works, great. If not, your question goes back to the Weinstein story. Well, what if trying to thwart with a certain level of limit doesn't work, well, then you have to go to the next level. Now, in her case, it might mean needing a table. It might mean saying, you know what, I don't think this is going to work, and it means willing to accept the loss. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, one of the obstacles to women and why sometimes women don't assert and set their limits and boundaries, A, they don't really know where they, these limits are, and B, Two reasons. One, they don't want to look rude. They don't want to look like a bitch. Or they don't want the loss. I mean, because setting and asserting all limits and boundaries might mean you're in a budding romance. There's a certain amount of intimacy, but you don't want to rush it. You don't want to go that far. And the other person, you know, really wants to go a lot further. And they're saying it. So being able to set and assert a limit and say, I'm just not comfortable with this, it might mean losing the relationship, literally. It might mean speaking up in a job place because of sexual harassment, you know, and you're finally speaking up and saying, and you might lose a job. So being able to assert and defend our limits and boundaries 
also means we have to be very honest with ourselves about what we're willing to lose. Now, in a life and death sense, obviously that crap goes out the window. You know, <laughs> you're asserting your boundaries and you might have to fight for your life. So back to my jewelry self, if you will, if I'm teaching the class, so I'm going, I'm taking it up a notch each time. Now, the third time I take it up a notch, he won't go away. And now he's this, and now he grabs me. And now I'm in a physical fight. Now, you know, palm strikes, knee strikes, whatever, and now I have to go physical. And that's why we say the asserting of boundaries are your first line of defense. And it's very effective in nipping a problem in the butt, if you will. And for a lot of younger females, it is very effective in being able to give yourself permission and feel it's okay for you to say, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want that kind of sense. I don't want to do this. And be, being willing to, that's why practice helps. So when I'm teaching, we do practices. And I'm, now I want to go to the practice if it's okay with you and break down a few key pieces that are called into play how do we set and assert our boundaries and all of this? Well, before you do that, I just want to reinforce something that you said, which was being willing to take the loss. Mm-hmm. And I think we often talk about in a self-protection situation, knowing mm-hmm. what it can cost you to take yes. action and to not take action. And I think it can be very difficult sometimes thinking about what the cost could be. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, like in your first story, when you were just 14, you didn't really know what the cost was of not recognizing and setting that boundary. So I think education is huge, but I love that you bring that up that you really do need to be prepared to pay the price. If setting the boundary, there is going to be a consequence one way or the other. It's either yes. going to be a positive one or not a positive one. So, right. And uh, sometimes it's both. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important piece. I'm really glad that you highlighted that. It is fundamental, really, to all your self protection. Right. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, it is. You know, I didn't want to over harp on that, but, you know, if, some, if you were to ask me what are the biggest obstacles in terms of women being able to and willing to, assert and, and set boundaries on it. You're right. One of them is, well, we have to consider the loss. And you have to be willing to take that loss, to take the hit in order to be safe and healthy and happier and so on. So, yeah, that's often the case. Now, you know, a creepy guy in the street, you're never going to see the guy again. It doesn't matter. You don't have anything at stake there, right? It's right. just like, get the person away, stop them from getting closer, and, you know, if further action is needed or you need no contract with police, you can help, so be it, right? Mm-hmm. So here are, but in any situation, I'm going to boil down to a few basic tools and what are actual physical, emotional, psychological tools. The first thing is, and this may sound kindergarten, but a lot of women don't actually know how to identify the feeling that something's been crossed. So here's a set of exercises that I might do in an actual class. This is kind of fun, actually, because prefaces by saying, particularly in a street setting, and not. It could be online. It could be a cyber situation. Somebody approaches, and maybe they have harmful intent, but you don't know that. 
they're friendly, they're nice. I mean, we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But if the person has harmful intent, there will be questions and there will be conversations. And really what's going on, imagine a situation, really what's going on if we look at it through the predator's mindset, she's thinking and asking, what is her response to my intrusion? Will she let me get closer? Will she let me touch her like this? And I talk to her in this kind of voice. Can I get her to move someplace else with me? Of course, you never want that to happen. You don't ever want to be isolated, privacy and control, and we'll save that for the next topic, or two key no-nos. You know, don't allow privacy and control. So, but in a predator, manipulator, abuser's mind, he's looking at the woman, and it could be, you know, people online who are trying to steal your money. What is her response to my intrusion? And it's your job to shut that shit down, mm-hmm. period. Because that's really what's going on. If the person has harmful intent, don't mean to say that's always the case. Now, that being said, here are the practices that I would teach. So, I mean, everybody has boundary setting exercises. And I think a lot of women are accustomed to seeing these pictures of women shouting no in this kind of stance and it's like it looks kind of like weird but the thing is it's a tiny snapshot of a much longer series of exercises and at the heart of setting and defending one's boundaries is giving yourself permission to say no in so many words so here's a few different pieces that we need if i was teaching let's say a class and i had gone over boundaries shown some applications. So the exercise is this. Let's say you are a student in a class and now your partner, you say, okay, you get a partner and they're standing 15, 20 feet or so away from you. Now, first thing I will say is imagine that that person is your best friend and it's been COVID and you haven't seen them since and they're going to walk towards you and you respond accordingly. Well, most people are going to give a big pop, right? Mm-hmm. That's close in boundaries because you allow that. All right. Now the other person goes back to the line. This time they walk towards you, and usually I will have a woman standing in a particular simple stance, not aggressive, but a kind of ready stance, one leg forward, one leg back, settled, breathing, you know, just kind of ready to do whatever, push off and run, say something, whatever. Now the second time the person comes towards you, and my instruction is, Okay, the person walking, you imagine that you're a mail person. You're delivering a piece of mail. A package has arrived. That's the thing. And they walk towards you. And let's look at what happens and what the distance is. Because now we're looking at this. So normally it's acceptable, most cultures, that, oh, an arm and a half length or so is appropriate. So they're standing at a bit of a distance, a letter in hand. They're saying, hello, ma'am, this is for you. Mm-hmm. That's an appropriate distance, right? Most of us feel comfortable with that, and we sign off on it, and it's a done deal. Now, the third time, go back. And this time, I want the person who's doing the walking, the would-be tutor, if you will, just walk right up to your face. And I want you, the person saying this, to then record and identify what you feel when they are that close. So the person walks right up. 
and it's yucky. It's usually very uncomfortable. And some people take a step back. But my question is, what did you actually feel that told you that was too close, or too dangerous? And the people were not all the same people. Some people say, I felt this fluttery feeling of fear. I felt this feeling in my gut. I felt myself get angry. I felt myself feel tense. Okay, great. These are your triggers. Now you understand and you know what are your triggers if somebody is too close and you feel uncomfortable. And by the way, anytime you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to know it. It's time to set a limit or expertise, right? Okay, so now people kind of know what the deal is. Now the next level of exercise, and I will portray this. I'll say, okay, here are some basic tools for setting limits. Understand that these are bumper stickers. They're not everything you do in every situation. They are words and actions that become your sort of just principles. So I have a padded attacker come towards me from maybe 20 feet away. At that point, and it will vary, where I feel I'm uncomfortable. I know this person uncomfortable. My job when it comes to the exercises is to be in my good stance, get my hands out in front of me, not too far in front of me. I think that's a terrible mistake when I see this. You don't want to stick your arms two feet away from your body where somebody can get grabbed and you're sort of out of your base of power. But you stand upright, your hands come up, palms facing out maybe a foot or so in front of your chest. You settle your breathing. This is important because if street situations were a boundary violation, a person will try to get a rise out of you, literally. Mm-hmm. They will try to get you to fear to rise, etc. So my job is to stand there, collect myself, breathe, settle, and when they are at that point where it's like, that's it, I'm doing my life, my job is to say, stop, that's close enough, or stop, step back, stop, I'm not interested, or some basic similar kind of wording. You need to help people with the language of boundaries. Now, if I'm doing it well enough, and by that I mean it needs to be congruent, my body language, my stance, my voice, my attitude, the demeanor, my attitude, has to be good, otherwise it means nothing. And they will brush it aside and come right in out. And the congruency really matters when you're setting boundaries, whether it's with a date that you need to say uncomfortably, that you don't want to go further, whether it's a stranger on the street, whatever, or a person on time, you need to be congruent. So you can't be like, stop, and bob your head, and have, you know, their nervous kind of hair flipping flutters, and these kind of fluttery behaviors and, and gaze aversion that women for centuries have been taught. You but can't also, do that. Also, like what's coming up in my brain is like I see women sometimes and they'll say, I'm sorry, you need to stop. Or would you please exactly. stop? And, and it takes a lot of the away from it. It, it makes it almost you a question. Are, yes, and you are completely right. And that's why I meant when I said everything has to be congruent. This is not a question. You have the right and permission to say to somebody, stop, that's close enough. Stop, I need you to step back. Stop, I'm not interested. Or even, no thanks, I'm fine. 
but the tone of what it's all it's a lot of, to me it's a lot about gravity you sink down you lower your center of gravity you don't lean forward you don't come off of your base you stay upright if you will in your own body posture with your arms extended your palms out but not over extended you stay with me and you might need to repeat it no seriously I mean it stop get back now in the meantime you might be repositioning yourself off to the side a little bit and start scanning your environment. If I need to run to help, where is that going to be, right? All these situational awareness pieces come into play. None of these are pieces in isolation. They all work together, right? Right. So you're absolutely right. And this is something we need to help women with. It's hard because we've been conditioned for eons to be polite, to not be rude, to not hurt a person's feelings. To give the person the benefit of the doubt. Damn it, give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Even if you're wrong, I mean, even the person needs no harm. You're uncomfortable enough. So now I take that progression up from there. Now I'm going to an exercise where, okay, let's just say somebody is pointing from a distance and very menacing intense, and they're starting to charge towards it, get in the car. Get in this car. Right? Which, of course, you know not. I use that because it's just a simple example. Now, I have two dials. I have two dials. I have a volume dial and I have an intensity dial. Now, I may have to crank it up and I have to do this the phone because it would be quite loud. I have a very <laughs> booming voice, if you will. But it's like, get back! I need help! Leave me alone! Back off! You know, it's big and it's loud. And partly, I'm trying to draw attention. And none of this works all the time. Again, understand, none of this is foolproof. But I'm trying to draw attention. And maybe I have my four-year-old behind me. So, you know, I can't just quickly exit. Yeah, maybe I can grab myself. Is there a place to go to? So my first lines of defense are my voice, my body language, my intent, my demeanor. You know, my attitude, if you will. Mm-hmm. And again, we get to use them accordingly. Now, that's not, I don't have to crank up on that level if it's a coworker who comes in without knocking. It's as simple as, you know, <laughs> that would be hey, a problem. <laughs> that would be a problem. That would be a problem. That would be a story. So I might just stand up. I always tell women to stand up. If you feel stronger standing up, stand up on your RTV. Stand up. And just say to the person, oh, my gosh, Frank, you know, I love working with you. We're a great team, but I'm not comfortable when you put your arm around me. Or, you know, it, I don't want to go any further. And this is a difficult conversation, but we need to have it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if that's an example of setting a boundary. It's still all about protecting you. It's still about setting a guardrail. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are many pieces of this, but the basic ingredients are identifying when you're uncomfortable, what your limits are, being willing and able to express that, and not just silently hold it and go, I do, I demonstrate this much too. A guy comes and puts his arm around me. I pretend to be, oh my God, I just wish he would go away. Well, you can't just wish it away. You have to be able to speak. Now, if somebody puts their hand on your leg and you're not comfortable with it, you can't just wish they'd get it. Guys aren't astute. <laughs> you have to take the hand away, push 
they come to him, or they say, stand up and just say, you know, Frank, wow, I'm just, I'm not good with that. I'm not comfortable with that. Now, Frank may end up never being your friend again. So what? Because here's the point. If a person is decent and respects your boundaries and your limits, they will stop the behavior. Now, sometimes it's not once. I always tell women it might take a few passes. Okay, you're dating somebody. It's getting kind of hot and heavy. And there's some amount of sexual activity, but you're not ready for more. You don't want to move again. You don't want certain. So you may have the difficult conversation and make it very specific. I always tell them, be specific. Don't be general. Don't say, oh, I wish you weren't so friendly with me. That doesn't mean anything. You know, say what the behaviors are that are not okay. And even if it's difficult, we have to become accustomed to this because it's our job. I mean, we're the only ones with us all the time, and we are in the best position, therefore, to protect and defend ourselves and protect and defend our borders. And again, I don't mean to keep pounding on this, but in the studies that have done in terms of reducing sexual assault against women, being willing to assert one's boundaries and communicate them clearly is a self-infusion, as well as understanding and being able to, you know, talk about consent. Some of the difficult conversations are the most important skill. On top of that, of course, physical skills, which, you know, we'll get into, you know, what to do if somebody's already grabbing you on you, you're lying down, you're pinned, you're broke, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, those are physical skills for that. But first and foremost, this is what you want to do, defend your boundaries. It makes so much sense. I think that's really the foundation of peace. You know, it's, hey, you do have a right to your own body. You do have a right to your mm-hmm. own space and your own thoughts mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. time, energy, you know, everything mm-hmm. else. You have a right mm-hmm. to that. And it's really up to you to protect that. You kind of get back to that. You are worth protecting. You've got to get that in place too. And then what you're saying mm-hmm. is it's the range of buying down how much mm-hmm. you're putting to how strong mm-hmm. it is, how mm-hmm. intense it is, really does depend on what the other person is doing too. You know, you can't, you can't just go in and blast them right off you know, no, of course. Uh, it all depends on the scenario, and that's something we talk about all the time. Teaching too is speaking, so like it's not a one size fits all thing. You have no. to learn how to go up and down the scale in a way, be creative, and mm-hmm. be persistent and consistent. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think mm-hmm. probably one of the biggest things you said was you have to be clear. And I think yeah. that's so important because the way, and I see and I hear women do this all the time, and I remember doing this when I was in my 20s, and I, I hadn't figured out how to be clear. I mm-hmm. would try to say things in a way that was least potentially offensive or upsetting right. or provocative. I was, I was always right. trying to find the softest place. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. happens when you do that? It isn't clear. It's wide open to interpretation. You end up arguing right. and negotiating. Right. And so mm-hmm. you say you have to be clear. You have to be specific. 
That to me is such a big piece. And in order to do that, you have to get clear in your mind. So I just, I love all uh-huh. these different pieces. And uh-huh. what you're saying is that to effectively set these boundaries, you need body language, you need your voice, your actual language, your verbal skills, uh-huh. and you need your attitude and your demeanor all together in the uh-huh. same way. Not three of them going one direction and one going the other. I apologize for some beeps coming in. I'm ignoring them. <laughs> Absolutely. My gosh, Cynthia, you summarize everything so well. You just really do, and you just hit all the nails on the head. Congruency matters. If your body language and your voice are saying two different things, unfortunately, you know, a would-be bad guy, if you will, you're not going to take that seriously. It doesn't come across as strong. So everything has to be congruent. How you stand or sit, sit, but I advocate stand. What, you know, how you, I'm very, very big, as you know, into finding your lower basic power in your stance, settling into your hips, you know, countering the rise that happens in the body because somebody, whether they're trying to assault you or take advantage of you, you know, there are fear tactics and fear makes us rise in the body and we have to learn to counteract that. Mm-hmm. So, lowering the center of gravity, how you stand, your tone of voice, your attitude, your eye contact. You have to take yourself seriously. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to do these things, you know. You have to take on these behaviors that will give you a level of seriousness that will potentially, hopefully, repel or stop somebody from going further. I mean, I've worked in countries in the developing world and in Europe and all parts of the world, and predatory behaviors are pretty much universal. And one of the things, and we'll get into this in another episode, is that they will test a woman's boundary. They will look for weaknesses and holes in her boundary system. Go, ah, I can enter there. Ah, I can do something. So the more we are firm, and I don't mean aggressive or unnecessarily mean, mean, although sometimes that's necessary. But the more we can close up those, plug up those holes, if you will, spackle in the thin spots in ourselves and, you know, be willing to maintain these limits, the red line that we draw, the more we are going to be able to reduce violence. And then, of course, there are further discussions about what if all that fails. But I have some exercises if I have a chance. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, number one, Mm -hmm. I I like the ones that you described, sort of the encouragement Mm -hmm. exercise. That's something that I've done with Coach Flower from time to time. And it is startling how different people's ranges are for where they start to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. The exercise to go through. But also you're illustrating the streets in there. You know, I think all of us can relate to that. Absolutely. That's almost like a street harassment thing, you know, where you might have somebody who just, you know, mm-hmm. a low-level little comment in the kissing noise mm-hmm. that can go all the way up to actually laying hands mm-hmm. on you. So I do really exactly both of those mm-hmm. things. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, what might be some mm-hmm. other like practical exercises or fun things the listeners can do at home. <laughs> Jesus, <don't> waste time. 
Thank you for saying all that. And ditto, ditto, ditto. So I think the most essential practice I've really said, but here's what people can do. Adopting what I said, and, you know, you can do this in your home, your apartment, is basically to, you know, take a stance somewhere, practice a stance of, you know, one foot forward, one foot back, triangular, your knees bent, a little bit settled down, breathing, hands up. And I want you to imagine somebody coming towards you. I mean, these are real practices. Here's the thing about this. The more we practice on the low levels, the more we're going to be prepared in spirit for higher level threats and dangers. So practice them all. So imagine you're standing there. Imagine, go through inventory in your mind of someone you might feel uncomfortable with. We all have someone. Could be somebody at work, could be somebody a neighbor, could be somebody a casual date, could be anybody, right? And I want you to just practice seriously. Imagine, let's say, 15 or 20 feet, however much space you have, somebody walking towards you and imagine them. And your job is to, at some point, get your hands up and say, stop, that's close enough, or stop, I don't want to, you can fill in the blank. But practice this, actually practice this in the privacy of your home, being able to set and determine a limit. And it could be also now, you know, in many places, you know, the COVID is lifted, if you will. The restaurants are open and all that kind of stuff. It might mean practicing, saying to somebody, look, you're a little too close. Could you please back up? That's simple. Or practice saying, you're my dearest friend, but no, it's not okay for you to borrow my clothes. Or, you know, I go to sleep at nine. I need to ask you not to call me after nine at night. All of these are very simple practices, exercises. But the more women hear themselves being able to set limits, the more we're going to be prepared to be able to deal with a higher level threat. Because in a, God forbid, a higher level threat, you know, you already want to have some experience with this. It shouldn't be the first time you're rummaging around your mind body for, gee, what do I say? What do I do? <laughs> I mean, the more you're familiar with this, the better it is. So practice saying stop. Practice saying no. Get your hands up. Get your feet settled. Settle down. Breathe. Imagine. And imagine yourself having to say, and it's private, so you can imagine yourself with whoever to say stop. Or whatever you need to say. That's close enough or I don't want to go further, or whatever it is. Keep it simple. That's my advice. It's, it's a bumper sticker. It doesn't mean it's the thing that you go, you apply for the whole rest of your life for boundary setting, but the more you practice these bumper stickers, the better. And I, I can't tell you how important it is for women to be able to say no and give themselves permission, permission, to say no, because the more a female, in my experience teaching, the more a female is traditionally trained in feminine conditioning, which is always be polite, you know, never say no, blah, blah, the more at risk she becomes. So part of what we're having to do is to undo. I mean, self-defense is, is not only about learning, it's also about unlearning. And so, you know, part of it is practicing the unlearning and just practice the exercises. You know, stand up, take a base, settle, breathe, collect yourself, 
lower your center of gravity, get your hands up, say what you need to say, and just practice doing that. You know, just listening to you talking about that, what's going through my mind right now is we do tend to be conditioned and to want to be good people and kind and helpful and accommodating and non-judgmental and all of those things. And being able to set and maintain a boundary does not mean that all of a sudden we're not. Absolutely. It does mean that people can't take advantage of us for being that. Right. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you say that. And this is my final note. And this is the beautiful thing. Because I don't want this to come across as just negative. Oh, negative. The beautiful thing about learning to set and defend your boundaries and say no is that we get to say yes and why. That's the beautiful thing. Because sometimes women will agree to things that they're not really comfortable with, but they haven't yet given themselves permission to say no. Once we learn to set and defend our limits, we can say yes wholeheartedly what we want in life. Yes, I want to do this. Yes, I want to have this relationship. Yes, I want, because we're not afraid to say no. So this is the gift. This is the beautiful thing, is that we learn to say no so that we can, in fact, say yes to what we want in life. And that's the gift. I love that because it goes right along with the concept of learning, self-defense, and self-protection is actually it's diminishing. Not at all. So I love that. Absolutely. This is about enlarging our lives. Learn to say no so that you know what a yes is. And when you say yes, darling, you put your whole self into it. Oh my gosh. Melissa, we could talk for another hour, I'm sure. I actually a couple other things popped into my brain while we were talking, but I'm going to save them for another episode. Great. Any parting words before we sign off? You know, I think I said what I needed to say is that protect yourself, set your boundaries, know your limits, know how to use the tools to set them, and think about what it enables. It enables us to go towards what we want and what we want to have with the whole of our heart without any problem because you know how to say no. So, wow, this is a real yes. You want this? It's about desire. I wish for women to be able to fulfill their desires. And that's why much of this teaching is incorrect. So that you can fulfill your desire and say yes to life. Awesome. Well, that is a wrap on episode one of the Sentinel Podcast, and we will be back with episode two. And I just want to say, if you're listening in and you have questions you want to get answered, you can send them in. There will be a link in the show notes to an email that you can send your questions into. And we'll also link that article by Melissa on boundaries. Until the next time, this is the Fusion Female Podcast with Cynthia and Melissa. You've been listening to the Born to Be a Badass Podcast, the groundbreaking show that shines the light on women, violence, and safety, life after trauma, and how to build personal power and courage. 
Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and share it with your friends, family members, and colleagues. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review that will help our show reach more women around the world. Tune in regularly for more exciting conversations full of insights and wisdom you won't hear anywhere else. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.